everybody. Welcome to this edition of Two Soka, Two Sisters of a Certain Age, Conversations with a Therapist and a Doctor. I am your co-host, Dr. Sophia Grant, board-certified pediatrician and board-certified child abuse pediatrician. And I am your co-host, Judy Grant, licensed marriage and family therapist. Hello. Hi, everybody. So, so, um, you know, this is a thrilling day for us because we have a family member on. I think we've we've had mummy on, Mm -hmm. but this is our cousin, Nikki. So this is mummy's niece and uh, Nikki's Mm -hmm. mummy's brother's daughter. And... um, She's much younger than us. We actually left Jamaica when she was teeny tiny. So we don't really know her very well. But when I did my ancestry, she popped up as a relative. And then I, um, what did I do? I reached out on Facebook. And then like we met when I was in Philadelphia. And then when she moved to, she moved to Texas right when I was leaving. So we missed mm-hmm. each other. But Nikki, can you can you uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what your background is that gives you the expertise to talk about money that we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Nikki Jacks. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in finance. Um, I have a master's, um, an MBA in international business. I've been working in financial services my entire career. So um, when I was a senior in high school, I did this program called Inroads. Um, And Inroads works with minority youth to match them with corporations. Um, And my first first Mm -hmm. internship um, or my internships between my senior year in high school and my freshman year in college that summer when friends were taking the summer off or working at the mall or being camp counselors I was actually working at a bank so my very at 17 years old because I graduated at 16 started college at 17 at 17 years old I was underwriting um personal loans so at that time a very long time ago Um, You could go into, this was in Connecticut where I I finished high school and did my undergrad degree. Um, You could go into your local supermarket um, if there was a branch of the bank that I worked for and you could get what's called a quick loan, a quick personal loan up to $5,000. You walk into the branch and in 30 minutes you get a decision. Um, So that was my introduction to finances really. Um, And even though throughout my career, I spent much of my career working more in marketing (coughs) and I've always stayed very close to the finance space um, through either personal finance or mm-hmm. helping friends, family members um, prepare for their future as well. And so okay. I've been working now professionally um, and just celebrated my 15 year anniversary with JP Morgan. Prior to that, I was working with GE for just under six years. So I spent 20 years um, in financial services. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, um, we had open enrollment at my at my agency uh, in November. So you start looking at all of your benefits. And I really started to look at my 401k. And of course, you start to panic, because you're trying to think of like, what am I going to do when I retire? How much money do I need to have, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was then that I met with our financial advisor with that works with my agency. 
and we looked at my long-term goals in regards to 401k and retirement, and I increased my contribution. And because it was such a great conversation to have, and I don't think many of us have it, like what do you anticipate for your lifestyle when you retire? What does that look like to you? Is it that you need $50,000 a year to live or do you need 100? And based upon how you answer that question, okay, now let's backward engineer and figure out what you want for your 401k. So I found it very, very helpful, kind of scary. Um, Yes, to have this conversation, but I'm so glad that I did because I don't really know much about money and investments and how all of that works. So it's so good to have you here to just to help to educate us a bit on these. Um, Nick, oh, go ahead. You were going to say something? No, I was just going to say that money is one of the things that I'm glad I learned about early because I'm, and we'll talk about this, the benefit of knowing about money early is the earlier you start, the easier it will be as you get mm-hmm. older. So we'll talk a bit about, mm-hmm. you know, what I've been doing and I'm not a poster child by any stretch of the imagination. I've made mm-hmm. tons of mistakes over the years, but learned from them. But I think most importantly for me, in addition to preparing for my retirement, it's also preparing for my son's future. He's seven years old mm-hmm. um, and would love to mm-hmm. get into that conversation as well in terms of what I'm doing just to make sure that he is set um, when, you know, when he becomes an adult. So what right. is at the beginning of the year, people make resolutions like, oh, I'm going to save more. Um, if you could tell people like one or two things to start doing now. Like if you have been reckless with your finances um, <clears throat> and you want to get on a better footing, what what would you recommend they start with now? Um, so <laughs> I'm taking notes, Nikki. You know, my word every year, I started this with my team at work. Actually, someone on my team started this. We pick a word of the year as a team and it could be something personal or professional. My word of the year is discipline. So whether it's finances, whether it's um, exercise, whether it's eating, it's my word is discipline and trying to be more disciplined. And I think that's probably the most critical thing when it comes to finances. The best time to start improving your financial health and your financial life is today. Right. If you haven't been doing it before, the Mm -hmm. best time is today. Right. You can't wait until tomorrow. So I think the first thing is making a decision in terms of what what do you want your financial health to look like? Because you have to start with where are you trying to go before you can start to think about what are the things that you need. Um, I think the other great thing um, about, about um, the start of the year as we're, we're looking back is you can look back at last year because lots of times people say, okay, start writing down every dollar that you spend. You have a whole year of history last year to mm-hmm. see how you spent your money. I, there are tons of apps Mm -hmm. out there that you can use to budget, Um, you know, your credit cards give you um, a year end summary that can be very, very scary. You know, you have your bank accounts, all that. Just spend a few hours. I use an old school spreadsheet, right? And what I've done for the full year is I know how much um, I've estimated because I I won't know what my raise and my bonus looks like. Um, until this week, actually, is when we communicate at J.P. Morgan. But I estimated based on last year, every single paycheck from January 15th, because we get paid the 15th and the end of the year, through the end of the year, right? At the, the end of the month, I mean, 
Um, I budgeted every single paycheck where those dollars are going between bills, right? Between mm. my mortgage, my son's 529, my 401k. I know for the full year, I will meet, I will meet the maximum that you can contribute to a 401k in a year, not just the maximum to get your match from your company, but the maximum period, because those are, and, and this isn't tax advice, but as your income starts to grow and you look for every single place where you can get tax credits, maxing out that 401k is a really easy way to get those tax benefits. Um, so I have my mm -hmm. whole 2024 financial picture, you know, assuming nothing changes with work of where all my money will be. So I'll know how much I'll save, how much I'm spending on shopping or what my budget is for shopping. I think we have to understand where every dollar goes. And literally when I get paid, I go to that spreadsheet and I make sure like my bills are paid, the money goes where it needs to go. Um, and then I know within this two week period or within this month period, how much fun money I have, right? So if there's a dollar that hasn't been budgeted mm -hmm. and I budget saving, I budget giving, I budget investing. Like I said before, I budget for my son. Um, so this is like money that's truly left over where it doesn't have a place to go within the budget. I decide, am I going to treat myself or is this money that, Maybe the market is down and it's a good time for me to buy more. So let me just put that money there. So I think in summary, it's taking a look back at how you spent your money last year. Are there things that you need to tighten up? Do you need all those subscriptions? Do you need to make that trip to Nordstrom that frequently to get that many pairs of shoes? Do you really need you know, another sweater. Should you be putting more money aside? Because last year when your heater broke, you had to put that on a credit card and you still pay interest on that, right? Where's the money for, for, for those emergencies? So take a look back at how you spent your money and then take a look forward on how you want to improve the way you allocate. So I think if you have the discipline and you have an understanding of how you spent and an understanding of how you want to improve, I think you're in a really good place for, for the year. So um, I recall a time when I was um, a new doctor and I wasn't really being paid well and um, I didn't even have money for true maternity clothes. And I like I, I just didn't have any money to save. And people would say, oh, just save a little bit. And you're like, even $20 is a lot. What do you say for those people who just feel like, <clears throat> they don't have enough to even start the process. They, it's, it's just, you know, do you suggest, well, instead of living in an apartment by yourself, get a roommate? I mean, how, because I mean, the benefit, the discipline of, of um, budgeting and say, that's very important, but some people just don't feel like they have enough for everything. What do you suggest? Mm -hmm. I think for people, and, and I've been there, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether it is mismanagement of funds or re living a lifestyle above what I have, or to your point, recent graduate student loans, yes. etc. Mm -hmm. Don't be hard on yourself. There was a time when I used to overdraft my account, right? Mm -hmm. And I would get and I would get hit with a fee. So instead of beating myself up, when I do my look back, it's like, okay, last year I overdrafted my account ten times. Mm -hmm. This year, I only want to do it five times, right? So like, I think if you're starting from a place of, I don't have much, don't be hard on yourself and set small goals. Like if you don't have much, 
don't set a goal like I want to save $100,000 or I want mm-hmm. to invest a million dollars, right? right if right. you have nothing in your savings account, try to get to $100, right? And, and celebrate those small milestones. I didn't start out when my son was born maxing out his 529. That came over time. Now I'm really happy I'm able to do that because God has blessed me and financially I'm doing fairly well. But you can't, if you have nothing, I think just A, celebrate those small milestones. And I think that look back to see, Mm -hmm. is there something that you can give up? Instead of you subscribing to Netflix and Peacock, can you get with a friend so they subscribe to Peacock and you subscribe to Netflix and you share? If you live in an apartment building, if you're paying, paying for Wi-Fi, could you pay? Could you um, in a neighbor pool and you know you pay for Wi-Fi and they pay for something else, right? Like lean on your network, lean on your village to see what's out there. Um, one of the things I always <coughs> like to do, either at the start of the year or the end of the year, is I go through my closet. And whether it is designer stuff or whether it is, you know, less designer things, there are things that I might be able to sell, consign to make some extra money. Or if I don't think I'll get much money, I'll donate it. Because even though I may not be doing great, there's somebody who could benefit from it. So that helps as well. So mm-hmm. I think it's like, and then another thing mm-hmm. I'm doing is I literally looked around the house and there's all this stuff in the garage. I'm like, let me post it to Facebook Marketplace. So it's like, a $20 that you sell something for here, a $100 that you sell something for there, like that extra money that I wasn't counting for, that can go towards something. So I think for people who feel like they don't have it, right, right just take an accounting of what mm-hmm. you have in your space that could produce income. Or do you have a special skill? Is there something that you're really good at? There are most stay-at-home moms in my neighborhood who are really good, like they have like the cry cut machine. So like when mm-hmm. I need to do custom shirts for Jackson, my son, for anything, like this, is, this isn't something that is a career for them, but they started mm-hmm. a little, you know, a business assignment, yeah. so, which is fairly right, low expense. Right. Mm-hmm. There are things online that you can do to bring in some extra money. There are surveys that you can take, right? right? Um, there is, I forget the name of the network that I use sometimes, like people who are graphic designers, there's like a website that you can go if you have services that you can. Oh, Fiverr. Fiverr. Yes. Fiverr. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can Mm -hmm. do those things, um, if you have access to an automobile, can you do Instacart? Um, can you do Uber if you're comfortable with that, depending on where you are? I think what's great about this economy is there's so many, um, Gig, there's a gig economy now that we didn't have when I was fresh out of uh, college and I didn't have a child. Right, right. So it's like at that time I had nothing but time, but we didn't have these other things that you can, you know, bring in some extra dollars. So I think it starts with the accounting. Is there anything you can do to adjust your spending? And I never recommend to people not to buy things that they like or not to spend money on things that bring them joy because there's nothing worse than feeling like you don't have money and then you also don't have joy. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like starting with Mm -hmm. that accounting Mm -hmm. of how am I spending my money? Where is it going? And then if I really need to bring in more money, are there side hustles that I can do? Do I need to make a career switch? Right. Like, is there something different? Mm -hmm. My story is a little bit unique in that I've been with the same company for 15 years. I've had seven different roles. So I'm not one of those people who stayed with the same company and my salary hasn't increased. So I've, I've benefited there. But I think you have to like really look within and, and take an accounting of your space and say, what can I do? Do I either need to reduce my spending 
or increase my income so that I can get to that milestone. So again, if I was overdrafting my account 10 times, if I do it nine times this year, then that's better than the 10 times and celebrating, you know, those small milestones. Yeah. And you know, right. Nick, oh, go you ahead. Know, one of the, I was saying, go ahead. One of the things that <laughs> you go. <laughs> okay. Okay. One of the things that I find helpful, even if it's a little bit, have that yes. automatic deduction yes, from your yeah. paycheck, you know, and you don't, after taxes and everything, you're not going to notice that 20, it's $20 mm -hmm. less. You just kind of forget mm -hmm. about it. And then you go into that bank account. You're like, whoa, my savings has grown. I didn't mm -hmm. even think about it. So it's, it's, if you can do the auto deductions, again, like 401k, you, you make your contribution. It's, you, you're not expecting that additional money in your paycheck and you kind of forget about it. And then you get to see, you know, how much that has grown. So I know that even my bank has um, an automatic savings mm -hmm. account for me. So it goes right into my checking account and pulls out money. I don't do it. It does it automatically. So my savings grows without me actually transferring money yeah. into my savings account. So I think if you can find those auto deductions, auto move, whatever you call it. You don't even think about yeah. the fact that it's happening. You simply yeah. adjust. There are two things that a couple of coworkers um, did, that I know do. I, I don't do this, but one of my coworkers, since the day she started working, she just put $5 in an account that she never touches. That's like her, in case of real emergency, break glass. Like you mm -hmm. never miss $5, right? And then I have another coworker mm -hmm. who programs for those of us who are fortunate enough to get annual raises. She programs that whatever the difference is between this year's salary and next year's salary. So the raise, she doesn't even see it. That goes straight to another account as mm -hmm. well. So it's like there, again, I think it's really important to do that personal accounting of where can you find ways um, to find, you know, those extra pockets of money to, to put aside. Yes. Um, I, yeah. I wanted to go back to something that you said is that even though you've been in the company for a long time, you have had many different roles. So you, your salary isn't stagnant. So you're making a move and you're moving up every time. Oftentimes you get into a job and you're really comfortable and you like everybody, but you're at the highest level you can be at. And, you know, that may be perfectly fine, but sometimes you have to get into that space of discomfort to change what you do in order to make more money. Yeah. And I, I think for, for me, I, I wholeheartedly agree. For me, it's been a combination of either role expansion or, um, you know, people that I've worked with have said, hey, I have this new role open on my team. Are you open to it? But for those of us in corporate America, so I, I shared, you know, I work for JP Morgan, huge company. My biggest recommendation, especially for people of color, is when you think about um, the, the biggest the people who have had the biggest impact on my salary have been white men, right? They have, I've literally worked for two white, I've worked for many white males, but I've worked for two white males who literally looked at my salary and said, 
you don't make enough. And they were my advocates to, to give me those increases. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as people of color, when we go into spaces where we're the minority, we tend to gravitate towards people who look like us. And that's good, mm-hmm. right? But the people who are going to take the bull by the horns in corporate America in terms of salary, income, are white males, typically, right? So whether you work for a white male or you have a strong white male mentor as a part of your community, right? Because I have mentor sponsors of all races, ages. I have people who are younger than me who I talk to many times because one of the things I learned from young people is like, more balance, right? And things like that. So making sure that you have this community of people, or I call it my corporate board of directors. I don't just have one mentor. I don't just have my boss who I look to or a friend at work. I have this person who helps me to, you know, work on leadership or this person to give me feedback on a presentation. But I have to, I always encourage people when they go into corporate spaces Don't be afraid of people who don't look like you, because many times those are the people who are going to help you navigate those landmines and get to, you know, where, what should you be earning? It's to the, my current boss now, it's to the point where when headhunters call me and I'm like, well, this is what I would need to leave. They're like, we can't match that because he's done such a good job (laughs) of making sure that I'm, you know, adequately compensated. Um, Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Wonderful that you have Um, those advocates. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> because it, typically, you're, you're in a you're in a great position. Our friends look like us. Our family members look yeah. like us. Some of us were first generation working in corporate mm-hmm. America. So I learned very early that like if I'm going to be successful here, I need people who know this game. Right. Right. It can't it can't just mm-hmm. all be I can't just lean on my parents. I love them to death. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they haven't. Um, my dad is still in Jamaica, so he can't help me navigate like corporate right. America in the United States. And, you know, my girlfriends were all learning at the same time, right? So it's like, you don't have, so it's like, how do you build this team of people to help you navigate? And I think it's such an important topic when we talk about money, because they're the ones that I'm, again, I'm learning from in terms of investing and, you know, putting, making sure that when is the right time to buy, like you should always be investing, but if many people look at the stock market and they say, oh, stocks are down, I need to sell. No, if you sell when it's low, you're going to lose money. Not, it's To right. me, I treat right. it as mm-hmm. something's mm-hmm. on sale and I love a good sale. So it's like if, you know, the S&P 500 index fund is on sale, I would rather buy that than go buy the Chanel bag, right? I'll put the <laughs> thousands of dollars in the market because that's going to grow Um Vert, I mean, sure. Chanel bag will grow and grow as well. But <laughs> I was about to say, um, <laughs> it depends on the style, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so Nikki, let me ask this. I only know about the stock market because I, you know, hear about it, financial news, what have you. I have no idea how to actually work it. So can you give us a very, very basic introduction into what we're even supposed to look for. How do we choose a stock? Like, because I think people like me get overwhelmed by that, like stock market, do you know? Um, It's, and it, it, I think it can prevent people from dipping their toes in because they so don't know what to do. So it, it, I think there are a couple of things I recommend. I, I feel like whatever social network you're in, right, or on, whatever your preference is, whether it's Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, TikTok, 
there are a plethora of financial advisors and people out there to learn from. So, but this is how I explain it to my friends. So you can go into Louis Vuitton, you can spend $3,000 on a handbag, right? Depending on the style, like Sophia said, it could appreciate in value. And when you sell it in five years, 10 years, you might be able to get your money back or you might sell it at a discount or you might keep it for the next generation. If you buy a piece of LVMH stock, so Louis Vuitton is a part of a conglomerate called Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. So it's a series of different designers. So Louis Vuitton, Celine, Moet, Hennessy, um, a bunch of different lifestyle brands make up this company. If I spend $3,000 buying shares of LVMH stock, I now have ownership in that company, right? And history tells us that that company, as long as it continues to do what it's supposed to do, people love its brands, et cetera, et cetera, that company will appreciate in value over years. So that $3,000 that I put in LVMH, in five, 10 years, that $3,000 handbag, I might get $3,000 back from it. But in five, 10 years, that $3,000 stock should continue to appreciate at a, at a higher level, right? So um, I don't typically buy individual companies. I buy a basket mm -hmm. of companies. So when I referenced the S&P mm. um, 500 earlier, those that's a collection of the top 500 companies on one of the stock market indices, if you will, right? Historically, you can buy what's called an ETF, um, which is um, one share is like micro pieces mm -hmm. of each of those companies. Historically, the S&P 500 has grown about 10% every single year, eight to 10% every single year. So it's almost like if you put $100 in the S&P, at the end of the year, that $100 turns into 108. Now next year, that 108 turns into whatever 8% is of 108, mm -hmm. and it continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. So that's why when you're buying into the stock market, it's I don't want to say guarantee because there are no guarantees. Certainly stocks rise and they mm -hmm. fall and it's cyclical, right? Mm -hmm. But it usually is a good way for your to watch your money grow, right? And what I tell my friends is, again, if you have $3,000 to spend, instead of buying the $3,000 handbag, if you're not investing, why not put $1,500 in the stock market and $1,500 in the handbag? And then you watch and see how it grows. Right. And in a year, mm -hmm. take a look at what's the value of the fifteen hundred dollar handbag. What's the value of your fifteen hundred dollar stock? And then you determine how much you want, how you want to invest every single year. So basically, the stock market is just buying pieces of the companies that you're buying. You can do an individual company or you can do groups of companies. So the S&P 500 is just one example of like a group of companies you can buy. They have lots of other what's called funds, right? So the ETF would be a fund. Lots of other funds that are based on different things. It could be a tech fund. So that would be you're buying shares of Google, Amazon, you know, things like that. It could be an emerging fund. So this is like companies that were small and now they're getting bigger. It could be an international fund, right? So it could be a, a group of international companies. Um, 
I definitely recommend people also speak to financial advisors just to get you know, guidance and investing where they're comfortable. I don't like to watch the stock market because for me, it's too anxiety driven. Mm -hmm. So just like you said, you have that money that automatically goes into your savings account. I have money that just automatically goes and it buys shares, right? So it's called dollar cost in um, dollar cost averaging where you're just buying, whether it's high, whether it's low, you're buying, you're buying, you're buying, you're putting the money in, you're closing your eyes, you're not looking, right? Now, because mm -hmm. there is some risk in the stock market, as people get closer to needing the money, right? So retirement, you should start pulling back your invest investments in the stock market and putting it in places where you are more comfortable, right? Right? Right. So if right, you think right. about it, like if I worked at American Airlines or any airline industry right before 9-11 and I was going to retire on September 13th, 2001 was it 2001 yeah, mm -hmm. 2000, yeah. yeah 2001 right mm -hmm. if all of my retirement was in my american airline stock we all know what happened to airline stock after 9-11 it all tanked your money would no longer be there right we learned that from enron as well when enron failed people who had all their retirement in their company stock it fell yeah right so it's like as you get closer and closer to retirement, you should be pulling money back. And then there are also funds that are called target rate funds, which say, okay, if you want to retire in 2045, it will automatically adjust for risk each year. So if you buy in today, yes. they're buying riskier stocks. Mm -hmm. Typically, how it should work, more risk, more reward, typically, right? But as you get closer to mm -hmm. retirement, they're either going to... to um, adjust those to go into more non-risky investments. Um, there are a ton of other things, but I feel like that's probably the most basic way to try mm -hmm. to explain it. Um, and okay. um, depending on who you bank with, I, I, know, I know people don't really go into branches anymore. I know I'm a bit biased because I work for a bank. I don't work on the branch side. But um, go in and talk to, to your, to your br branch manager and see if there's someone who can help you understand the basics of investing. Is there like a private, you know, a, a private banker? Um, we, we definitely have a chase that can help you understand some of the basics and do your research, right? Um, to see what they're recommending. Go home, get online. We have so much at our fingertips. Google is our friend. Um, see, make sure you're comfortable with what they're suggesting. I tend to um, like to recommend neutral parties for people because sometimes financial investors are selling their company's mm -hmm. things, right? And they right. may not be the mm -hmm. best return. I'm yet to see somebody really, when they say beat the market, it's really beating the S&P 500, which is that collection of 500 stock. If you do nothing else and you put money there, you should um, be okay, you know, in the long term. So if, if I want to take that $3,000 and invest in the stock market, can I go online, find the fund and deposit money into that? Or do I need to go through um, an investment banker? Is this something I can do on yeah, my own? Yeah, you can certainly do it on your own. So there are quite a few companies where you can open what's called a brokerage account. Um, so depending on your mm -hmm. bank, you can open a, a brokerage account with them. Um, they're also, you can also do it through, um, I, I, I wouldn't know all of them because I just do it straight through Chase. Um, we have our, our own app. 
but um, your bank can help you. Um, and then um, there are things like Vanguard, um, Fidelity is another popular one that people use. Um, but it's important to note that these funds are not insured by the FDIC like your deposits in your bank account would be, in your savings account and your checking account. So yeah, the FDIC insures up to $250,000 worth of deposits in your personal checking or personal savings. Investing in the stock market, that $3,000 could be $3,010 tomorrow. It could be $2,950 the day after. But you're not going to lose money until you sell those shares, right? If you sell them at a cost, at a price that's less than what you purchased them for, that's when you lose money, right? That's why I also recommend to people, don't put money in the market that you need tomorrow or next week or the week after that, right? Make sure you have your emergency mm -hmm. savings mm -hmm. because the last thing you want is, oh my God, I need this money. I have to sell these shares and I'm selling them at a loss. When if you had waited for like another year or so, it could have been a game. But Fidelity is a popular brokerage that um, many people use. And I think they have lots of like how to tool, how to guides, maybe on YouTube and things like that. Um, I think is Robinhood one. I'm not sure. And I'm not recommending any because none of these are ones that I use. I just invest straight through Chase, mm -hmm. partially because I have I have to because of my role and my access to pu non-public information. Mm -hmm. I have to trade through um, mm -hmm. an organization that my company can monitor at any time, just to make sure I'm not doing any insider right. trading or up to anything nefarious. Um, Nikki, you mentioned emergency savings. How much do you recommend that people having savings? I remember there was a time when people would say, six months worth of savings. And you're like, are you kidding me? Um, how, um, how, how much do you recommend? I think it depends on the personal situation, mm -hmm. right? So I'm a single mom. I am a homeowner. Um, so I like to have six months, mm -hmm. right? Because if I, I live in Texas, right? We have hail storms. Um, I have a deductible for my insurance in case there, you know, something happens to the house. My car is paid off, but it is, it has 140,000 miles on it. So, you know, you pray that it continues to work, but I may have to go tomorrow, right. To, to go get, mm -hmm. so it depends on the situation. If I got, the good thing is if I got laid off tomorrow, because I've been with the firm for so long, my severance is pretty extensive. So I may be a, a bit too anal with the six months. Um, and when I say savings, it's not like in my savings account, it's in a high yield savings mm -hmm. account. And then I have some money in in T-bills, short-term T-bills as well that earn a bit of interest. So I think it depends on the person. If you're, and it depends on your village as well. I'm in Texas, I don't have anybody who lives here. I'm paying a mortgage on my own, right? Um, if you live in a city or you're a single person and you can go back home to mom or dad, right? I don't think you need a six month mm -hmm. savings mm -hmm. cushion, right? But if mm -hmm. you don't have family, if you're the primary, you know, provider for the family, then I think you should look for the six month okay. cushion, depending on the economy as well, right? If you are in a field where you could get where things are going well, you could get a job, you know, next week, then you may not need the six months. But everyone thought tech was safe. And we're seeing reports where Google is planning to lay off. 20, yes, 000. I saw that, right? 
right? Mm -hmm. If you are living in Silicon Valley where expenses are high um, and you're living paycheck to paycheck and all the tech companies around you are laying off, so it may take a while to find another role, you will need, you know, that, that six months. But and then there also there have also been changes to um, before traditionally you couldn't or you would have to pay penalties on making withdrawals from your 401k hardship withdrawals. Some of those rules have changed this year. So I think people who have been saving in their 401k, if they don't have those savings, um, that emergency fund, they might be able to take some some money from there. But my recommendation is, again, I, I keep saying this, a personal accounting, right? Nikki Jacks, 43 years old, single mother, primary provider for her son, has six, more than six months worth of expenses that I can draw from if need be. But not everyone is going to be, you know, in, in, my, um, in my seat. Um, mm-hmm. If I were just starting out, when I just graduated from college, I didn't have an emergency fund. I was living at home. You know, I was, I think I may be, I may have been paying like the cable bill or something. So I didn't have, right. I was out having a grand time. I was traveling. I was in New York. I was, you know, doing all the things, right? Um, so I think it really depends on where you are and what your financial responsibility is. What I like about having the cushion is it's no stress. It's no stress for me. And I wouldn't quit my job without a backup. Again, I have a child I need to provide for. But if it came down to it and it's like, you know, this is just not working for me. I have an idea of something else I want to do. I I feel good in having that cushion and knowing that, you know, I'm okay if I get laid off or if I decide I want to pivot and do something different. Okay. Um, Can you touch a little bit on the dangers of credit cards? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So credit cards. <laughs> this is a lesson that every, they, they should actually yeah. teach this 100%. in high school. A credit card. They is should alone. teach it. Let's be, let's be clear. It's, it's absolutely alone. Um, and I work for a company that issues credit cards, right? And we do very, 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 very well because people don't pay what they charge in full at the end of every month. So if you, again, that word discipline, if you have the discipline where you are charging on a card and you are paying for what you bought when that bill comes in, you're good. But if you bought the $3,000 Louis Vuitton handbag and when your bill comes, you're only paying $30, you it's not going to take right. $3,000 divided by 30 to pay that off because interest is yes. going to compound, Right. So if right. you bought the $3,000 handbag and for ease of calculation, let's say you paid $1,000 toward that handbag, interest is going to compound on the $2,000, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But next month, if you only have $500 to pay towards that handbag, the balance is not $2,000. It's $2,000 plus interest. Yes. So your $500 right. is going to be coming from now, let's say it's $2,200. So now you have $1,700 mm-hmm. left to pay on that handbag. Right. And that's going to so you're going to continue to pay interest on top of interest every single month yes. that it takes you to, to not pay it off. So it's very, very dangerous and it's a slippery slope. And I got into trouble because I misused credit cards, not because I didn't know any better, just because I was living above my means. Like I said, I was living in Connecticut. I wanted to be out in New York having dinners and going on trips and I had really good credit. So I got you know, these high credit lines. So I felt like, you know, I'm going to 
paid off because I'm home. I don't have right, rent to right. pay. Right. And it's like it, it what became frustrating for me is like every time you get a bonus, you get this decent bonus and your bonus is primarily going to pay off these cars. Mm-hmm. So it's paying off things that you already did. You can't even do anything new. Right. So I think I think it's right. important for people to understand that a credit card is like a walking loan and we want our money back. And it is we are going to charge you right to to take out that loan every time you swipe it. Yes. So so let me ask this question. Um, so let's say you've got two or three credit cards and you have three thousand dollar balance here. 1500 here, a thousand there. Do you recommend that you focus your attention on paying off one card and getting that done and maybe doing minimum payments on the others? Or you on a monthly basis, should you try to be spreading it out to pay them all down um, at the same time? Um, so I think it depends on how, you know, people talk about love languages. I think I, I talk about like what affirms you. So if you feel a sense of accomplishment for getting one paid off, then focus on the smallest balance, right? And like pay as much as you can to that smallest balance and pay the minimums on the rest. And then they, so they call that the snowball method, right? Where let's say you have a budget of a thousand dollars that you can pay towards credit cards. So instead of 300, 300, 300 or 333, 333 spreading across the three cards, right? Maybe you pay... 700 on the first one to get that balance down as quickly as possible and then you split 150 Mm -hmm. on the rest of them and then when you pay off that one it's not like you continue to pay the 150 on the others you take 700 plus 150 on credit card number two now you're paying 850 on that one right pay that one down and then now you when that one's done you have a thousand dollars left put the full thousand to the third one that they call snowball So there's that. If you really want to minimize how much interest you're paying, instead of ordering it by balance, you order it by which one is is charging the highest interest rate, right? Because that one, Mm -hmm. that will will save you money over the long term. That might be the biggest balance. You might get discouraged, right? So you weigh, you have to know yourself and know what feels best for you. Um, There's, and, and we talk about the dangers of credit cards. Student loans are similar because interest is compounded on student loans the same way they're compounded on credit cards, which, by the way, if President Biden or Kamala are listening, that's the biggest issue I think that we could fix is how we compound interest on student loans. If I take out a $1,000 student loan, I should just pay 5% simple interest on that. I shouldn't be paying interest on interest on interest. So, um, but... I bring up student loans because there's some recent, you know, there have been lots of discussion around like um, student loans being um, being forgiven or changes to, to some student loans. So I have student loans still from when I went to grad school. I have three, four student loans that I'm paying on. Um, but and what I was going to do is exactly what I just talked about, the snowball method, where I pay off the smallest balance first, like just get that out of the way and go to the next one. But I recently read that there are some changes in the rules where I think you might be able to, if you've been paying for 10 years, you might be able to get loans Mm. 
under that the original amount was under, I think it's 12,000 forgiven. So for me, it's like, okay, instead of snowballing my, my, let's say my $6,000 loan to get that out of the way, I'm now going to switch and pay off the biggest loan first because that one is unlikely to be forgiven. Whereas I might be able, so I'll pay the minimum on the 6,000 on, I'll pay more on the one that was originally 60,000 to get that one down. Um, knowing that it's a possibility that the $6,000 one could get forgiven. So I think it all depends right. on, again, that personal accounting okay. of what does your financial situation look like and um, what's, going to, what's going to make you feel like you accomplished something. If you're going to feel accomplished by paying off the small one, pay off the small one. Like, don't think about anything else. If that's going to give you a sense of accomplishment, pay off that small one first. But I definitely don't recommend spreading evenly. Like I have a thousand dollars, let me do three thirty-three. You know, across all of them. Right, right, right. And I know that there are some credit cards that are that will give you some benefits, so you earn points, yes. and you can earn those points towards your your balance. So there are some cards out there that have these built-in benefits to you. But again. You don't want to use it unless you have to pay it off, so on and so forth. But at least that is now an option. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I want to be clear on something as well. Most of America is in credit card debt. So no one should feel ashamed because they're in credit card debt. Mm. Some of us are there because we're living above our means. Some of us are there, like you said, Sophia, earlier, because like we just can't make ends meet mm -hmm. any other way. So no one should feel shame because they have a credit card balance, right? Like, let's not start there. Because if you start from a place of shame, you're going to continue to feel like it's an insurmountable task to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So understand that, mm -hmm. again, I work for a company where we make a lot of money. That means a lot of people, right? And we don't just do credit cards. We do lots of things. Uh, when I worked on the cards, cards, credit card side of our business, a lot of people are carrying balances every single month. Let's mm -hmm. be clear, okay? My recommendation mm -hmm. is to try not to charge more than you can pay for, but that's not everyone's right. reality for whatever reason. No judgment mm -hmm. if you cannot. But um, I'll use my personal um, my personal experience. I primarily use two credit cards. Um, I have my um, American Airlines card that I use because I like to get points towards Travel. miles and it also gives me status. Mm -hmm. And I'll use a good example of when that came in handy. My grandma passed at the end of last year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last minute, you can't plan for these things. Tickets for Jackson and I from Texas, I think were like $3,000 or something like that. I was able to use, I paid full price for my ticket. I was able to use my miles to pay for Jackson's ticket. So instead of spending $3,000, I spent $1,500. And because I have status on American Airlines, A, because I travel a lot for work, and B, because I use their credit card as my primary card, we were upgraded to first class on the way down and on the way back, right? So if mm -hmm. I had bought two first class tickets, that would have been way more than the $3,000. But I spent $1,500 sure. um, and miles on, and I was able to get me and my son to Jamaica and back and then upgrades, free upgrades to first class as well. So there are tons of, there's, there, you have your cars that will give you miles and that's my prefer, yeah. prefer, preference, um, A, because he's gotten a taste of first class. So now he feels like he should always, and, and Jackson, <laughs> Jackson would look good in first class. <laughs> he looks 
great in Burpath, and they love him in Burpath. Of course. And then there are the cashback cards as well. So there are cards that will give you cash back, right? They will, um, um, I don't want to start talking about individual mm-hmm. cards because I'm not supposed to promote any of our company cards, but research, um, I think it's um, the points guy, mm-hmm. um, the points guy, yeah, the points guy. The points guy is a good source um, to go in and research different cards. So, you know, flying may not be your jam, but maybe you like to stay at hotels, right? Um, there are cards that give you points for hotel stays. I also have points um, with Marriott because I've, I've stayed there so much, not through their credit card, but we were able, when we went to Jamaica, we were, we stayed at the hotel a few nights for free. So there, there's definitely good sides mm-hmm. to credit cards. And then I also use my mm-hmm. American Express Platinum card because I travel a lot for work. And then um, I like to do the lounges. They, you have access to the lounges in the airport. The food is better. The drinks are better than like spending money, you know, in the, at an airport restaurant. And I can actually also work in the mm-hmm. lounge if I need to, right? There's space for me to take a conference call if I need to, but you, you need to have that special credit card to give you that access. So they're definitely, right. again, personal accounting of what makes sense to you. And I think the points guide is a really good place to research some of the best credit card deals that are out there, whether you want cashback benefits, travel benefits, um, or things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I, I was thinking about, um, my Costco membership. Yeah. When I went to get my Costco card, they have the basic, they have the executive, the executive membership, you pay more for the membership, but you get cash back. And, and then I'm do quick calculation, like, oh, I'm going to make this money back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just thinking about maybe I have to pay a little bit more now, Mm -hmm. but there's going to be a cash benefit to me later. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, just just thinking that through yeah, Costco can be helpful. Is, I'm glad you brought Costco up because they're, I don't use some of their financial products, but they have great, great, great financial products like car loans. Um, some people have mm-hmm. had more done. Some people I know have done their mortgage through Costco. Really? So I think those places where you have memberships, if you have a triple A membership, they're always like different financial offers that are coming to you. ARP memberships, like they're all these, anything that you have to be a member of, typically financial services, corporations, then have like a database of people that are alike in some way. So as a marketer, it's like, if I want to market to a certain, to like the AARP age group, I would pay AARP to say, hey, I want to present this offer to them. So anything you're a member of, your school alumni association, research those 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 places where they're big numbers, um, because nine mm-hmm. times out of 10, you'll also find some interesting financial offers there as well. Yes. And I want to point out that I work for a county and there are benefits for working in that county. You just have to go onto the website. You get like, I mean, rental cars, like 40% less, some significant deals. And then when yes. I got solar on my house, I it went through Costco. So then at the end, I got this Costco credit card for like $1,000. So that was a nice little perk. So yeah. Nikki, can you touch mm-hmm. on what is a credit score and what does it mean? A credit score, I like to tell people, is demonstrating to a financial organization your 
likelihood of paying back on time. Mm-hmm. The higher the score, the more likely or the more favorable a company is going to look at you in terms of when you're going to pay them back. And you will likely get the lowest interest rate that they offer the higher your score is. So a higher mm-hmm. credit score means you will pay less in interest over time. A lower credit score um, doesn't, necess- isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean you can't get credit. Your credit is just likely going to be more expensive because you have less people who may be willing to lend to you. Yes. Right? Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in my mind, it is best. And then when you are doing things like your mortgage, when that's probably the biggest purchase that you will make in your financial life, right? Um, when you're going out to, to, to buy a mortgage, you want to get the lowest credit score possible. The way you get the lowest credit, not the lowest credit score, the lowest okay. interest rate possible. The way you'll mm-hmm. get that is by having as high an interest rate as possible. So, you know, friends of mine who are like, they want to buy a house, I always tell them what you should be doing, like if if you're not ready yet, is look at houses that you think you want to buy, look at the approximate cost of the, the, the monthly mortgage, look at the difference between the mortgage and what you're paying right now, put that extra money in an account somewhere for six months to make sure that you're comfortable. And with that, before you start the mortgage process, I'm assuming you have your down payment somewhere else, right? With that money, if you have outstanding credit card debt, just pay that off because that's going to increase your credit score, right? The less debt you have, um, and there, there's an algorithm, so it's not always necessarily hard. It's not like if you have zero credit card debt, you automatically have an 800 right. credit score. Right. But the less that you have, the the biggest, the fastest way to improve your credit is to like pay off a chunk of your credit card. OK, so um, how many credit cards do you think okay. are necessary to have kind of like a healthy credit history? You know, you don't need to go and get your Sephora credit card and your, you know, those <laughs> individual credit cards or TJ Maxx because you save 10 percent today. Um, so. Like, I know you really shouldn't have store credit cards because they have the highest interest rate. But how much, how many cards do you think kind of gives you a healthy history? I don't think you need more than two cards, to be honest. Like, you could even do it with one card. If you have one card that you're paying off every single month, you're fine. I think, um, I think you, like, I love my Nordstrom Mm -hmm. card because I love my Nordstrom notes. But the key is to pay off what you bought at the end of the month, right? Right. Like, that's the key. If you can't do that, then don't. One of I saw this online recently, and I'm going to implement this this year. Someone said that you know they like nice things, but what they're going to do, it, or what they have been doing, is like, let's use a three thousand dollar Louis Vuitton bag. If they're going to buy a three thousand dollar Louis Vuitton bag, they need to also invest or save three thousand dollars as well. Mm. So it's like, nice. it's like, okay, do I really want to spend $6,000 now on, because that's what the bag is costing, right? I'm buying a bag, but I'm also putting right. money aside in some way, shape or form. So that's something mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to implement this year just to manage the spending. Because sometimes when we start making money, when we get bonuses, when things, if you get married and now there's a second income, right? And so the bills are the same, the household bills are the same, but you have more disposable income. It's like, okay, I have a rise. Let me 
start spending more. <laughs> um, and I said, what did I say earlier? The best time to start investing and taking a um, taking control of your finances is today. So if you can implement those good habits early, right? So if you approach it, like instead of me going and swiping my card for this $3,000 bag, I'm only swiping if I have the 3000 to pay it off at the end of the month. So I'm getting mm -hmm. my points, but I'm also going to be saving, investing $3,000 over here. So that will continue mm -hmm. to grow. If I started doing that when I was 21 years old, I would, I would be a million, mm -hmm. like liquid. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. Let me ask um, this question and I don't know where I heard this. So tell me if this is true or not. If you say you've paid off your credit card and you want to cancel it, does that reflect poorly on your credit score? Um, and the, why? Yeah, so the credit score is, remember the bank is looking at um, your propensity to pay them back on time. If you have right. cards that you've had for a long time, that's, that is your credit age. So the older you are from a credit standpoint, the better you look because they have more information. They have more payment history, right? So if you cancel that card, that stuff, it's not like it stays on your credit. It almost like it, it go. It stays on your credit if you have mm -hmm. a balance. If you don't have a balance, then it goes away. So my recommendation is not to close. Close it if you don't trust yourself. Right. If you think you're okay. going to go and charge up that Neiman Marcus card next week and buy all the Chanel and Louis Vuitton and you don't have money to pay, close it, mm -hmm. close it, pay it off, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But if you have the discipline, put that card aside, just pay it off. Don't spend. So you have the credit age. And as your credit continues to age with other things, like then later you can, you know, you can close it. So um, I, it. I, if you go to, uh, I think it may be FICO.com, they do a good explanation of what makes up your credit score. And it's important to note that the credit score that um, companies typically use to underwrite a loan, whether it's a credit card, a mortgage, um, uh, a car loan, things like that. It's the different score from what you're going to see through companies like Credit Karma or if your credit card offers your credit score. There are different scores that look at, at different things. So it's important to understand what it is because many times people are like, oh, my Credit Karma says, you know, I have an 800 score, but I went and I got this really high interest rate, you know, for a car loan. It's because the bank that you went to, they use a different credit formula. Mm -hmm than what Credit Karma um, is, is, um, is showing you. So it's important to know and understand how credit scores are, are calculated. So if you go to FICO.com, they'll, they'll be able to explain that for you. Okay. Mm. Wow. Well, Nikki, this is a lot of information. <laughs> and um, it is, you know, I, thankfully, I, I, I do have savings now <laughs> since I've been practicing Listen. for a while. But um, I remember one time I wanted to rent a video from Blockbuster. It was a dollar ninety nine, and I couldn't afford it. <laughs> but um, listen, yeah, I think we've all been there. We've all been there, mm -hmm. and I think anyone who is watching or listening and feels overwhelmed, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. And there's an other side, yeah. but behaviors will need to change before getting yes. getting to the other yes. side, right? For sure. So I think financial stress is real, right? If you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, if you are in a financial insecure situation, those things are real. 
I think what I love about this time, like I said before, then when I was coming up is there's so much information out there um, to help educate people. And then there's so many resources in terms of if you need to make a little bit of extra money. Yes, yes. This, yeah. this has been really good information. Okay. So I hope our listeners feel empowered to uh, not be afraid um, because it's very easy when you're overwhelmed financially just to ignore it. Um, but you just yes. have to make that first step towards savings and, and having that discipline. Yeah. Discipline is hard. Mm-hmm. Discipline is hard. It it is it is because you you want it you yeah. want it right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but really thinking like okay do I do I really need this? Um, and then also maybe sit on that idea for a few days, a few weeks before you yes jump in. Yeah. So you go into it yeah. like fully understanding the possible yeah. ramifications. Yeah. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for being with us mm-hmm. today. Um, truly a wealth oh, I love that. Of I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and help, you know, thank you for explaining some of these things that I didn't know or didn't fully comprehend. I think it was um, a good lesson for me, and I hope it was a good lesson for our audience thank as well. You. Oh, thank you. We might just have to bring you back like, yes, for yes. a part two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would love to, because I'd love to talk a little bit about 529s and preparing your kids for a strong oh, financial okay. future. That's a good one. Um, That's a good one. Oh, yeah. okay. Great. Yeah. Great. That would thank be you, great. Nikki. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. So to Soka, we just like to thank you for being with us today. It is always a pleasure to have you join us in these conversations. Please be sure to like, follow, rate um, our podcast, share with family and friends. We would love to hear from you. And hey, even if you have questions for Nikki, like, hey, I'm not so sure, email us and we can forward mm-hmm. that question on to her. Candy, how can our well, audience reach us? Well, you can reach us uh, via email, twosokapodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, watch us on YouTube at twosokapodcast. You can find us on Instagram, two sisters of a certain age. And I think that's about it. Okay, that's plenty. Okay, thank you again, everybody. We Bye. will see you soon. Thanks. Bye. No Longer Network.